Welcome to 5 Minutes of Courage with Maggie Arndt. This podcast focuses on God's Word, the Bible, and how much God loves you. Our goal is to show you throughout Scripture how loved and valued you are by the God of the universe. 5 Minutes is all you need to be filled with hope, joy, purpose, and yes, courage. Now here's your host, Maggie Arndt. Hey everybody, welcome back to 5 Minutes of Courage with me, Maggie. Today we find ourselves in the second chapter of James. And before we even begin, I need to warn you, my house is a very busy place. It's summertime now, so if you hear a dog, if you hear kids running in and out, just stick with me. We're doing the best we can, but you're getting the real, real for me. I can always promise you that. And as far as the real, real in God's word, we're in the right place because James talks about partiality and discrimination in the family of God. Hmm. Did you know that it happened in the family of God? So the very first verse, James is greeting us and he says, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Now, wouldn't it be all nice if we could say, well, I don't favor anyone over anyone else. But if we're being honest, that simply isn't true. We favor all things. Do you like dogs better or cats? Well, I'm a big dog person. Have you met me? You know, do you like pie or do you like cake? I like both, but I maybe would choose a pie. You know, there's always going to be partiality. But when it comes to prejudice and discrimination, James wants you to know that is not going to be okay. So first of all, let's back up because James talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's something I need you to know about James. James actually is widely regarded as the very first letter of the New Testament. And it was written somewhere between AD 44 and AD 48. So if you figure that Jesus died in AD 33, this is pretty early on. So this means that the very earliest Christians considered Jesus to be God and said so in very strong, very unmistakable words. So just know that these are people who have already claimed Jesus as God. Okay, so what we need to look at next is the partiality part. Because we remember that James is writing to a very partial age. Okay, this is a time in history that was filled with prejudice. It was filled with hatred based on class, ethnicity, nationality, and religious background. Hmm, doesn't really sound all that different from where we live now, unfortunately. We have not really evolved that much as a human race. But in the ancient world, people were routinely and permanently categorized because they were either Jew or Gentile, slave or free, man or woman, rich or poor, Greek or barbarian. And I didn't make up barbarian. That always cracks me up. That's that's a biblical phrase. It's the opposite of Greek, evidently. But but whatever it is. And a significant aspect significant, excuse me, aspect of the work that Jesus did was to break down these walls that divided humanity and to bring forth a new race of mankind in him. Those who chose to follow Jesus were to be different. And the unity and the openness of the early church was frankly shocking to the ancient world, but it didn't come automatically. And as this command from James shows, the apostles had to teach the early church to never ever hold their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. The two just don't go together. So if you continue to read in verse 2, 
For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting. Now in my NLT, the English word is meeting. However, originally the word would have been synagogue, which is just Greek for assembly. But what we know from this is that James is addressing Jewish people. He would have put it into into something that they would understand. They are from a Jewish heritage, so the word synagogue to them would mean an assembly of, of religious people, right? So he's kind of setting up the the picture for everybody, and he talks about what if somebody came in in fancy clothes, and then he talks about someone else who's poor. So let's talk about that for a second. A man who was rich, we would get a really specific picture of him. Think about the earliest Harry Winston. Are you tracking with me? Harry Winston is the guy who lends out expensive jewelry for the the Oscars, the Emmys, the Academy Awards, la la la. Okay. So in Roman society, wealthy people would wear rings on their left hand in particular um, to show great ostentation. And there were even shops in Rome where you could borrow these things. So you would look richer than you were. So the richest of the rich. And then he talks about the poor. Well, the early word for poor would signify beggarness. So we're talking homeless, hobo, not just somebody, you know, in a lower tier of economic society. We're talking poor. Okay. And then he tells us, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Because back then, as is right now, Let's be honest, are you going to go cozy up to the dude with the Harry Winston bling or the guy who looks like he hasn't had a shower in three weeks? Which one are you going to be naturally drawn to? Really, honestly, look in your heart. It's embarrassing, but I'm, I'm right there with you. And most people are going to choose the richer man. Why is that? Well, if we look at our hearts, it's likely because we think rich people can do more for us. It looks better if we cozy up to rich people. Maybe someone will think that that we are that we are rich if we supply the rich people, right? And what does James say in verse five? Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you, you, talking to you, dishonor the poor. Here's the thing. Let's be very careful here. James is not saying God likes poor people better, but here's what he is saying. Historically throughout the church, poor people have nothing to lose. So they are continuously and fairly consistently the ones who gravitate to a much greater faith. When we have everything in this world, it's really not easy to take both feet out of the world. We want to leave one foot in the world because let's be honest, the world is really sparkly and beautiful and we don't really want to come all the way over to this churchy religious world when the actual world is so much fun. But James is warning us, don't align yourself with people who maybe aren't even actually rich. They had to borrow stuff so they look rich and ignore the poor people because you know what? God does not look on the outward appearance. He looks upon the heart. That's in the book of Solomon in the Old Testament. And it's true thousands of years before James. And it's going to be true thousands of years after James, which is where we are now. So as we go through this tomorrow, we're going to talk a little about favoritism and how we can combat that in our lives. Be well.
Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'd hate for you to miss out on even one minute of courage. Then share it with all your friends. If you'd like more information or would like to contact me directly, go to 5minutesofcourage.com. That's the number five and you can connect with me there.